Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. You see this world? There's more work to be done. Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. Special thanks to our friends at Cineplex Pictures for inviting us to watch this film early for review. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, video games, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for today's review... We have my own feathered guide into worlds unknown. He's the duck-billed Darcy, the heron-hugging Hudson. How you doing? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to hug the heron from this movie. <laughs> no, yes, definitely not. <laughs> he's uh, he's pretty freaky. I, he probably he probably give you a hug. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I'd warm up to him over the course of an adventure. I mean, it seems like he. He, he grows on you, so maybe yeah. maybe that would be the case. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Um, you know, Darcy, I think we were talking on our journey to go see this movie, how it's just been such an incredible year for animation, uh, and now even more so for Miyazaki fans and, and Studio uh, Ghibli fans, or Ghibli. We were, we, this is something we were debating as well. Ghibli, Ghibli, or Ghibli. Or Ghibli. Uh, or Ghibli. Yeah. I, be, yeah. I believe, because I looked up, I tried to look this up before we started the review, and I think Ghibli is how uh, Hayao Miyazaki pronounces it. So I think that, but that, maybe that's like, that's the Japanese pronunciation. And then I've heard a lot of people in the West will say Ghibli. So I, I think both are right. Because I apparently it, uh, Miyazaki says that the name was a random thing he picked from like a plane that he loved. Yeah. So yeah, was it, it was a term. Like so yeah. So I think it is Ghibli, but... Anyways, um, <laughs> getting back to <laughs> the year of animation that it's been, I want to know for you, what was the last uh, Miyazaki movie you watched and what's your history with uh, with his films? Uh, so the last one I watched actually is one of my favorites. I've watched it several times. It's actually technically not a, a Studio Ghibli film. It's one of his first directorial movie uh, or movies and it was the castle of cagliostro which Whoa. is a lupin the third film but i have always loved studio ghibli as soon as i, I watched the first movie or so the first movie i watched was howl's moving castle because i had read the book and mm. i heard there was a, a, an animated adaptation and i was like i have to check this out and that was just the beginning of me going down this rabbit hole of all his films but again i've recently rewatched all of them after picking up layered butters uh issue four or five i think of their magazine series oh, and yeah. it's the ghibli issue and it's a deep dive into the story behind his creative process and all that stuff and it was his films are, are always a delight to behold and i always love going back and watching them no matter how many times i've seen it before absolutely yeah no i think it's uh it's one of those things where it you know, when we talk about certain video games and we talk about uh, other animated movies and, and, you know, oh, it's got such a, a Studio Ghibli look or, oh, mm -hmm. I wish we could see this world done in a Studio Ghibli uh, style. Um, there's just something about these movies that just it, it it's it's in it, they're they're in sort of a class of their own. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me, the last uh, Ghibli film I watched was Arietti. Um, which was directed, I think we were talking, it's directed by Goro Miyazaki, 
uh, who's Hayao Miyazaki's son. Um, as far as movies directed by Hayao himself, um, prior to this one, the last movie I watched, and this is going to be, I don't have as much uh, Miyazaki, you know, fandom cred as you do, but the last one I watched was Spirited Away. Uh, and otherwise, I've seen I've seen Princess Mononoke and, and Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, Darcy, you had mentioned, you know, when we were on our uh, way to see the movie, you had a hunch as to why like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke were the movies that I saw. Yes. And that's because uh, up until I think it was like 2010, 2011 or something like that, uh, Disney was in charge of North American and basically anywhere that it wasn't Eastern Asia, they were in charge of distribution. So they, uh, Lasseter, uh, you know, Pixar fame, he was the one who fell in love with Miyazaki's work and was like, we got to get this guy more recognition outside of uh, Japan and all that. And that's where the big push came from. And unfortunately, they didn't end on the best of terms, the, the mm. relationship with Disney, but at least we got these these massive movies or movies introduced to us at such a young age as, as they were coming out and stuff like that. And we weren't finding them later on. So it was, it was really cool to, to grow up during that era where we were getting theatrical releases of Miyazaki films with these star-studded casts. And they've kind of only continued to keep that tradition going with, you know, this current cast, uh, this current movie also having an incredible vo uh, English voice cast as well. So, oh, yeah, we'll, it's cool. We'll bring that up for sure. I think... Um, I think, yeah, though, I think the the that element of being connected to Disney in that way, I think also helped myself and a lot of folks who weren't familiar with Hayao Miyazaki to almost uh, um, get him comparative right next to Walt Disney. Right. Mm -hmm. You you hear it all the time. You know, he's the Disney of Japan. And so uh, I absolutely, you know, feel that way. We are looking forward to an upcoming trip to Japan uh, in in just over a year, maybe a year and a bit. Uh, and I, I cannot wait to sort of see the influence that uh, Hayao Miyazaki has had on, you know, some of the different areas that we're going to be visiting, um, mm -hmm. I think is just phenomenal. Um, so let's get to the synopsis for this film. A young boy named Mojito, I kept wanting to call him Mojito, uh, a young boy <laughs> named Mojito, uh, yearning for his mother, ventures into a world shared by the living and the dead. There, death comes to an end, and life finds a new beginning. A semi-autobiographical fantasy about life and death uh, and creation in tribute to friendship from the mind of Hayao Miyazaki. Written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki, animated by Studio Ghibli, uh, the film stars Soma Santoki, uh, Masaki Suda, Ko Shibasaki, uh, Aimeon, uh, Yoshino Kimura, Takuya Kimura, Kaiko Takeshita, uh, Jun Fubuki, Sawako Agawa, Karen Takizawa, Shinobu Otaki, Jun Kinomura, Kaori Kobayashi, and Shohei Hino. Uh, and that is, I apologize to anyone if I messed up your name and somehow you're listening <laughs> to this, I don't know. Um, so, but, uh, but that is the Japanese cast. Um, I'm also going to list the English cast as well. We, we saw the Japanese version of the film um, with, the, with that voice cast, but I do want to mention the English dub. Uh, for those who are interested, um, because this film, you know, you mentioned earlier, Darcy, how the English dubs always feature these just star studded cast, according to, you know, for, for folks in the West. Uh, and so the English dub of the film stars Christian Bale, Dave Bautista, Gemma Chan, Willem Dafoe, Karen Fukuhara, Mark Hamill, Robert Pattinson, Florence Pugh, Luca Padovan, Mamadou Athi, Tony Revolori, and Dan Stevens. Uh, the Boy and the Heron will be in theaters across Canada starting Friday, December 8th. Uh, so, 
Darcy, let's dive into talking about this movie. You know, normally with our, our spoiler-free reviews, we do kind of like what worked and what didn't. I, I don't have a ton of what didn't. We will probably maybe save a little bit of that near the end. Uh, but obviously what worked and what works with every Studio Ghibli film uh, are the visuals. They are so incredibly engrossing in this film. And, you know, I think you you we, you brought up uh, Lasseter with Pixar earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Studio Ghibli, in my experience, they very much are kind of uh, their own Pixar in a way where uh, they very much have their own style. And, and again, we were talking about that's a Ghibli film. You, you notice it, you recognize it immediately, mm-hmm. or you'll recognize movies that are like, they're going for that. They're trying to be Ghibli. Um, but at the same time, like Pixar, with every film, they make these small iterations that are just so impressive from movie to movie. And the way that every shot in this film is so uh, painterly, it it just it you can't help but feel drawn into this world and and the just these incredibly detailed spaces on screen. Oh, 100. I mean, again, one of the things that uh, Ghibli is known for, or Ghibli, however we're going to call it, uh, they're known for their like again those those landscapes that they create. They give they give these wide angle shots of where the story is taking place, yeah. and they're just so beautifully detailed that you could just stare at them for hours and find yourself getting lost in them. And and this movie is no different, where they have again upped the game to the next level, where these backgrounds and in these these locations that the characters are interacting with are just so detailed and they feel so like lived in and real despite being an animated film and again the characters just the way that they have perfected that you know ruffled hair or clothing texture where again you saw it in the first movie like back in castle cagliostro or or nausicaa valley of the wind and stuff like that all those had that you could see where they were going for and now this movie they've gotten there and i can't wait to see what they can do next because every time they come out with a film they they blow me away with how much they can breathe life into these animated characters it's always so impressive and i think like for me with this movie uh very quickly i think i noticed things like um the grass or the water or uh fire which plays a really big part in this film uh narratively it's just they're all they're just all animated in such uh unique ways and ways that again i i don't think i've seen uh, in a Ghibli film or really any animated movie for that matter. And it's just another way that they sort of um, add to the the emphasis of what the character is going through at the time by using those sort of very um, tangible elemental aspects around the character. Mm-hmm. And they, again, they definitely get, while they, while these locations and these, these characters feel so real and, and so full of life, they, they really push the boundaries of the animation where they go to these more lucid or, you know, out there moments and the the world kind of just starts to blend and become less defined and more like a child's imagination just kind of running away with the smallest little thought and it's they're always it's always delightful to to get lost in these worlds absolutely and i think you know i think it's that that's just it though like you're you're talking about the sort of the the lucid part of maybe the second half of this movie mm-hmm. um but even like the 1943 pacific war visuals that we get and and just that those areas of japan in that time uh it's just again the attention to detail is just incredible and and i think the world is so filled with it's interesting because there's there's moments where it is filled with that movement and it's hustling and it's bustling and you see that and then there's just those wonderful Ghibli picturesque things that we're mm-hmm. talking about of just like where it just feels like 
the only thing moving on screen is the one character that you have to pay attention to and slowly and, walking down yeah. the hill or and whatever. It's this and big it's just, wide shot and the characters in the distance and And you're just you're you're oh. engrossed for every second of it. Just like wow. It just in this again, talking about the visuals, I feel like we could go directly into the next thing that works for again, almost every Ghibli film, and that's the sound mixing and and the oh, score man. because this movie again blows you away with the use of silence and how again we we mentioned Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom with their that very ambient and less is more kind of approach to a score or soundtrack and mm-hmm. the way that they pair it with these visuals like I said you'll just it'll be silent and all you hear is the wind blowing through the grass as this character walks down the hill and you're just you're in awe and almost how beautiful this simple little scene can be. Yeah, I think the the thing that sort of hit me immediately, uh, you're you're sort of uh, with the sound in the theater, and and thank goodness the theater we were in, you know, it wasn't anything too crazy. It wasn't AV, I don't think it was AVX or anything too special. Um, but even just the sound design from this film, the movie starts with sirens, and it just is like instantly hits you to the point where I was like, oh, the sound is going to be incredible mm-hmm. in this film. And I was ready for it. And it did not disappoint. I think it, it just, it creates such a presence in the theater, right? Like, I, I mean, you were talking about, uh, there's a sequence where uh, Mojito is just simply lying in bed, uh, looking up at the ceiling of, of this room that he's not comfortable in, that he's not used to. And you hear the the sort of the, the the bugs in the background, or you hear like the wind that makes the house creak and crack. Mm-hmm. And you were, you know, I think you'd mentioned like coming out of the theater, you're like, I I've been in those places before, oh, like, yeah. like not any... maybe in Japan, but you've, you've been in like a, a creaky cabin or something. And, and you've, you, you, they brought back those feelings for you. Oh yeah. They, they do such a good job of, of recreating these moments that like, again, while you haven't been to Japan, you've probably spent some time, you know, at a cottage or out camping or something like that. And I've heard what just the night sounds like when nothing's going on. And the fact that they use that to just, you know, just emphasize this kid, he's lying awake and he can't go to sleep and this is what he's hearing. And we've all been there. It's just, it's so, so relatable just from a, an auditory sound standpoint, you can instantly be like, I've been there before and I know what he's feeling, at least at this moment. Like, I love it. It's so good. Every uh, wave, every wing flap. Um, I think just anytime there's movement on screen, the sounds that accompany that movement just heighten that immersion. And mm-hmm. like, shout out to the Foley artists on this film because there's just so much, um, you know, you feel the weight of certain uh, things that are in the movie through the sound design. Uh, and I think it just helps to bring you that much closer to the moments and the characters that are on screen. And you feel like you're just inside this story. And it, it just, again, it's for as impressive as the visuals are, the sound is, I think, equally impressive in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's moments where there's no dialogue, there's no sound, and the music just takes over, right? We we talked about those wide shots and and you just get that little wisp of piano score that comes Twinkling in twinkling a keys yeah, we were, it comes in and then fades oh, away just like the wind and it's oh it's so good and we were talking about how like it re- very much reminded us of of breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom and i'm sure you know uh visually we know that breath of the wild definitely taken inspiration from ghibli um and so it kind of sort of see that back and forth here um you know who knows if maybe some of the 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 music was maybe uh, inspired by what they did, but I think, you know, huge shout out to uh, Joe Hisaishi, who has done the music for a number of uh, Ghibli films, just killing it yet again. Like, like each stroke of the keys just helped to kind of make you feel like you're taking a few more steps 
mm-hmm. with Mahito mm-hmm. into this unknown world. And um, and then and then, you know, I, I think, you know, talking about the juxtaposition of of the sound and the audio and, and paying so much attention to that to the silence with the music. There's also this juxtaposition within the music itself of, yes, you've got the piano for those light moments of exploration and, and moving deeper and deeper. But then the heavy orchestrated string moments in those scenes where you have to feel those emotions where they hit, they just get your heart racing. It's just unbelievable. It's incredible. Again, it's it's what you expect from any Studio Ghibli film, where this where the score is just as important as these visuals, because they are. It's another character. We talk about this a lot in things we love, where the soundtrack or the, the way that things are mixed, it makes it feel like it's just bringing the world to life on its own way. And again, this the soundtrack does it all over again. Like the, that, or, like you said, the orchestral stuff where it really hits you hard in those tense moments, and then you're followed that up with a nice peaceful scene where it's silent, and you're just hearing the wind blow or the rustling of the waves and it's just the back and forth and the journey you go on isn't just through this world it's through just nature itself and the way that it's you know interpreted and i just i always love that it's, it's so, good. so good i mean again like i i i'm in no way i don't you know am i gonna say that um animation is is easy for anyone but y- y- i think the hearing hearing the sounds and the soundtrack and the attention to detail of when to use what it, I think it just elevates and shows why Ghibli is at the top of their game, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. where maybe some other animated studios out there in the world might just choose to have music flowing the entire time. And and I think the 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 smart decisions of when to use it is again just elevates the the movie and and these movies in general. Um, the 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 cast. I, I want to talk about some of these performances uh, again. We watched the Japanese version of the film with subtitles, um, so we can't really speak to the English uh, dub. Um, but I, you know, the entire cast was excellent. I, I think, um, you know, even though for, for myself, like, you know, it's subtitled, I still felt the level of emotion from the original cast. I think they, they draw you in with, with every line, with every moment of emotion. And I think, you know, watching this and, 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 and in our case, you know, reading, uh, throughout the movie, I, you know, I'm happy to say that it, it was really quick that the subtitles just, melted away and i know for yourself darcy you know uh being an avid anime fan you've you prefer subtitles over Mm -hmm. dub and so this isn't this isn't something that you're not necessarily used to so i'm sure for you it was it was probably pretty easy as well Oh, as soon as it started, I knew what I was getting into. Again, this Ghibli, I I have watched uh, both the subs and dubs of them because again, the the star-studded casts are always enough to give you a, give it a rewatch on its own. But I'll rewatch without that uh, as a factor. But again, yeah, the voice cast. There's something about seeing it in the original. I always like to go sub before dub, mm-hmm. at least for these Ghibli films, because the. The emotion I feel is again that's the level of a voice actor or the skill of a voice actor comes across and how much they can make a feel an emotion. And if I don't understand the language but can still be hit just as hard by these emotions, I feel like that that's a testament to how good these actors are. And Ghibli actors have always been top of top notch in terms of delivering these 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 moments and scenes. And just with the emotion you feel reading it, just you forget your reading and you just, you feel those words so much more, I think. And I just, I love it. Yeah. You know, I think there's something to be said about, 
um, you know, I think it's a bigger conversation, the differences between oh, yeah. an actor coming in and doing a voice and, and then a voice actor. And I think, you know, Soma Sentoki, who plays Mihito, uh, I was looking at uh, their IMDb and, and recognizing that, the, you know, they've been in a lot of anime. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure I believe uh, that is true for a lot of this cast. And mm-hmm. I think. You know, I love the character of Mihito. He's he's driven. You you hear like the passion in his voice and um and and the sadness in in his voice as well. Again, he's going through such a, a sad moment in time. Um, and I I also wanted to shout out um, Masaki Suda who plays the Heron, uh, because his voice is so freaky. And once you once you see a little bit more of the Heron, I'm not going to spoil, but once you see more of the Heron. You're going to understand why he went with the voice he did. I think it's exactly what you would expect out of a character mm-hmm. like that, you know, to sound like. And uh, and I think it's to the point where, you know, I watched the English uh, trailer uh, dub now, like just before we started recording this. And it sounds like Robert Pattinson is doing his best impression of Masaki. Uh, I was going to say the same thing because I also did. The, I was also curious about the voice cast before we sat down here. So I, too, watched that trailer. And- yeah as soon as he started talking he's like you know that's a pretty good interpretation of the gray hair and he was yeah. he definitely got sat down and watched the film and really got to understand uh misaki suda's performance for sure yeah yeah i am excited to uh see the english dub though to see how it compares and to kind of again just watch this movie uh, again um i do want to just i know we're kind of moving we've already moved past visuals but i did want to just on the topic of characters because i brought up Aaron, i want to just quickly shout out the character design again it's 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 ghibli it's it's that style it's what you would expect right you've got the 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 human and non-human characters with over emphasized features where like maybe it's like their nose makes up the majority of their face or, um, you know, one of the, the grannies that are the caretakers for Mojito. There's seven of them. Uh, and, uh, and they're all so unique. And I love, I love the one with, with glasses on her face. Cause it looks like she has four eyes. And I think that's such a, a, a in terms of visual storytelling, it's so cool to see how these uh, movies slowly ease you in to the strangeness and otherworldliness by, you know, again, you've got the granny with glasses that are four eyes and you, you know, you, initially it's a bit jarring. Cause you're like, wait, does she have four eyes or those are just her glasses. And then, so the way that they kind of do that or the way they change the appearance of the heron slowly, one little bit at a time, I think it just, it, it emphasizes this sort of um, spiral uh, for you as an audience member, as if you're traveling down uh, a visual rabbit hole uh, alongside Mojito. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Ghibli films usually is that like in terms of story and understanding and stuff like that, you are just as lost as these characters who are entering these fantastical realms. And the fact that, like you said, they use these visual cues to slowly ease you into it as the characters are accepting this journey and deciding to go on it and stuff like that. And that gets the ball rolling. It's, it's again, it really feels like you're along for the ride yeah. and are ex- experiencing everything for the first time, just like Mojito is in this movie. And it's, it's so refreshing to go to a movie and, to know that you might be lost, but by the end of the movie, you'll be happy with the journey you went on and want to watch it again to figure out why that makes you so happy type thing. Like these movies are always so worth a rewatch because there's so much detail in it. And again, that first time you might not be following everything, but by the end you get, it clicks and all of a sudden you want to re- go back and see all those little Easter eggs or clues that they slowly unwind and 
I love these. I love these films. Absolutely. I think by the time you see, you know, a giant fish that is designed in a way that maybe you've not really seen before, it it's not one of those things that sort of catches you off guard because again, you're slowly being introduced to more weirder and weirder stuff. So that by the time Mojito experiences these things and sees certain characters and and beings that he's never seen before, it's not one of those things where you know, you're just like, oh, it's an animated movie. So, of course, there's going to be like weird looking characters. It's no, no, no. It, it is believable. You're you're kind of like, no, that that does exist, it, you know, based off of mm-hmm. some of the stuff I've seen before. So it's uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the story. Uh, of course, again, this will be full spoiler free. No spoilers at all. Um, but the in Japan, the movie is called How Do You Live, uh, which is a book that um, Mihito actually receives in the movie uh, and was Hayao Miyazaki's uh, favorite book as a child. Um, so when the description calls this semi-autobiographical, uh, they mean it, you know? And and I think, mm-hmm. Darcy, you were telling me some of the ways that Miyazaki definitely pulled from his own life for this story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, he the, a lot of Mahito's story is almost parallel to Hayao Miyazaki's as he was growing up through the war and and having to move up to the countryside to to kind of get out of the city that was you know kind of under fire, going through changes during these these uh, hard times. And it's really cool how we've always seen that in most Ghibli films that a lot of a lot of his stories at least come from places that he you can tell he was he visited these places as a child or he grew up in the countryside exploring these hills and having his you know just childhood imagination run away and and get him, allow him to escape what he maybe doesn't feel so comfortable doing or didn't feel so comfortable doing at the time and stuff like that so this film definitely feels the closest to home in terms of uh, how much it, he's pulling from his real life, especially with that move and the the relocation to the countryside. But again, it it's that realism that really makes these movies come to life because you can you can feel like the kid again and understand where that imagination is taking you. I want to you just what literally what you just said it there feel like a kid again. There from an animation standpoint, there is a moment in the movie right off the bat, really early in the moment in the movie, um, where I won't spoil what's necessarily happening. But let's just say Mojito has to get up the stairs really fast, uh, and you see him run up the stairs on all four. A hundred percent. I did that as a kid. I don't know oh, if yeah. you, yeah, right. Oh, I think yeah. every Everyone kid, does. every kid has run up the stairs on all fours, and it was just something that like I was like, oh. I totally did that. And and again, I think that that connects you to Mihito in such a wonderful way and to, in, you know, in a certain degree, Hayao Miyazaki. I think um, the movie feels very, uh, at least from what I've seen of, of Ghibli, much like a lot of the stuff, sort of the greatest hits uh, of his previous work. And I think it felt to me, I, I most equate it to uh, Spirited Away. I think, again, you're slowly brought into this world um, further and further. And there's so many moments where my mind kept racing back and forth to sort of figure out exactly where Mihito was at certain points in the movie. You know, the, the world is showing a, a space where death and life share the same space. And it's mm-hmm. so unique and it's so original. Uh, and I, I, you know, in certain moments I was delighted in other moments, I'm feeling very melancholic and, and sad. And then there's a lot to be scared of in this movie. I don't think it, you know, it, it, it doesn't hold back at all for, for younger audiences or, or families that might see an animated movie and say, well, animated movie equals family movie. You know, I, I, I definitely think I would encourage families to, 
to see this movie. I would encourage kids to watch this movie. But just to keep in mind, you know, if there is blood, there's blood. You see blood, right? <laughs> if there's guts spilling out of a giant fish, you're going to see shiny, nasty guts. And I think there's so many elements of the movie that um, are scary. But I think in my mind, at least, and correct me if you if you feel the same way, Darcy, but I just feel like that is something that's incredibly important to be in an animated movie. You know, uh, growing up in the 90s, we had some scary stuff in films that we watched that, to me, helped me understand the dangers of life. Not in like a way that was scarring. Um, it, you know, I think just something that almost helped prepare me for certain things to come, right? I mean, it's totally important. I, I 100% agree with that. The fact that life isn't always, you know, sunshine and lollipops and stuff like that and mm -hmm. like said so a lot of those uh earlier animated movies of the 90s and stuff like that didn't shy away from it and like it's a very important lesson to learn and, and ghibli films have never been afraid to go there and, and go to a dark place in order to you know show that the world isn't always perfect and mm -hmm. i love i love how they they do that in this film where again it's it's very shocking, very visceral at times, but then it goes right back to being the, the fantastical, whimsical story that you were expecting. And yeah. again, it's it's that those highs and lows that really take you on this this ride and really pull you in even more because you want to you're dwelling on what you just saw while you're trying to take in what's coming next, and it's always it's always fun. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think yeah. There's always there is always going to be that element of fun, and there's certain elements of comedy as well. I think between you know, I think some of the moments with uh, Koriko and uh, and the gray heron and and sort of mm -hmm. the back and forth there is really really fun. Um, but you know, when I say scary, like there's not really there's no jump scares or anything like that. Like it's not. I'm not talking about a horror movie. Just it's just something that adds to the overall experience that will stay with you mm -hmm. long after you've watched this movie. I think like those damn pigs in Spirited Away, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a like there is a certain visual of a, of a character that is going to be burned in my brain forever. Uh, and I think it'll remind me on a daily basis why I don't like birds. Um, <laughs> But um, but on the topic of of didn't like, was there anything, Darcy, for yourself that uh, maybe didn't work uh, about this movie? You know, I was trying to find something that I didn't like. And I, again, I said it wasn't my favorite Ghibli film, but mm -hmm. I loved it nonetheless. And there wasn't really anything that I didn't enjoy about the film. It was, if anything, maybe sometimes the pacing yeah. was a bit all over the place, but Again, I remember feeling that way on first watches of, of past Ghibli films and on rewatches, I, I find myself waiting to find that that slowdown or slog and not finding it the second okay. time. So so I'm I'm just expecting that maybe that is what I'm going through right now, because, again, I have a hard time finding something I did not didn't appreciate. But maybe if you say something, that'll jog something that I have something <laughs> to say. I think you know what? I think you're absolutely right. Is that like, again, it's so tough when it's such an incredible piece of art. Right. And I think that's that's another aspect to this is it's it's not just a movie. It, it is very much a piece of art. And and I, I, I you know, I, again, I'm sure that can be said about the craft of film in general. But but just like I just feel like the and maybe this is something that that Studio Ghibli movies uh, do a lot. I think for me, the only thing that I sort of like was a bit uh, pulled out of the movie at one point um, near the third in the third act, there's sort of like a, a jump uh, in time that was uh, just a little bit confusing. Um, and then the wrap up of the movie is Im immensely fast, right? I think that, you know, when you've got a movie that, that 
in a way, lovingly takes its time through certain parts to help you appreciate the visuals, appreciate the sound, appreciate the moment in the narrative. It is a bit uh, quick at the end. It, it sort of just rushes to the finish. And to me, that change of pace, it, it was definitely something I noticed. Um, to your point, possibly upon a second watch, you know, maybe... Um, I'll be able to kind of be okay with it a little bit more. Um, but it is definitely something I felt on my first watch. And I, I think there that between that and then just certain elements of sort of watching this movie and sort of going back and forth on my mind of, well, it's purposefully trying to give you this lucid dream effect of you're going through the movie and you're like, what's going on? Where am I? How, how did I get here? And, and kind of like you feel you know, when you're both in a dream and when you wake up from a dream, it, it gives you those feelings. But there's almost a, a, a bit in my mind, a conflict of that and sort of a, a bit more of a straightforward message um, that I'm sure there are messages that have gone over my head. I cannot wait to see, you know, the new rock stars or whoever is going to talk about the, 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 the meanings behind this movie. I can't wait to dive into that and to watch the movie again and maybe get even more meaning out of it. But I, I, it is just something I noticed, and I think that rush to the finish didn't help uh, me to kind of be like, oh, I, I totally get everything by the end of it. I think mm -hmm. the movie comes together in the end, but uh, there was just sort of a bit of like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're here. Yeah, I mean, so you just saying that reminded me some of the issues I have, again, on most first watches I have with, with Ghibli films. And yeah. It is that they do tend to have these fast wrap-ups while they, the journey is, is so important and getting to that final destination or the goal that was set out at the beginning of the film. Once you get to that goal, it's pretty much over and then That's they it. wrap up and go home. And mm -hmm. it's, I think the meaning behind that, again, the way I've, I've after rewatching these films so many times, uh, I, I feel like I'm coming away with the fact that the whole point is that adventures end, but stories don't. So we just saw one adventure mm. of this, these people's lives or into this fantastical world. And what, what is left for us to do is to make up our own adventures in these own worlds or, or imagine how the story could continue potentially and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. again, that's, that comes from me just knowing how I feel about uh, after each time I rewatch one of these films and fall in love with it for a whole new reason and stuff like that. So I feel again, to me, this is the most Ghibli film that I have watched in a long time. It it, it it manages to do what every Ghibli film tries to do, but this one knocks it out of the park in every regard in terms of the soundtrack, the score, the, the beautiful visuals, just the fact that you're creating a world and just going on this, this whirlwind of a journey and finding out everything and unfolding these layers and wanting to know more. And by the end of the film, while you may not understand how you got there, you always enjoy the, the journey you went on. And that this movie was that wholeheartedly because again, while the end did come fast and wrap up quickly, I still came out of there with a smile on my face and enjoying my time. I just spent going into this new fantastical world. Well, I, I love that. I mean, that to me, that sounds like a, a really good place to, uh, wrap up our review and and that that almost sounds like if I was to ask for your final thoughts and I think rating. I just I jumped the gun there That's and okay. said my final thoughts. Well, so I'd love I to guess... know how many uh, birds out of five <laughs> would you give the movie? <laughs> so again, this is, I can't I can't give it a five out of five because like I said, it isn't my favorite Ghibli film, mm -hmm. but this is the closest four point five to a five. I've ever given because it again embodies so much of what Ghibli has always tried to accomplish in in, in telling these fantastical stories and, and taking you on a journey that you never thought you'd enjoy as much as you possibly could. So yeah, four point five out of five birds for me. I think I'm I'm pretty much in that that same realm. I think you know it's 
it's another Studio Ghibli and, and Hayao Miyazaki uh, masterwork uh, of mm-hmm. art. I think it it just it's it's such incredibly detailed uh, painterly world that we talked about um, that you would expect out of the team. But again, they they still find ways to elevate upon the, their previous works. And I think you know again the sound, the music. Just they work alongside the visuals to create this space that just draws you in, and and you 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 go further and and deeper and deeper into this fever dream of a story that that's presented. Um, I think it's one that's definitely as we've been talking about. It's going to require multiple viewings. I, I I'd recommend seeing it in both subbed and dubbed versions if you're going to watch it more than once. Uh, I think again that that rush to the finish ending for me was just a bit too quick, but again, like you said, it, it comes together in the end and, and it, it, it sticks with you. I think is, is the biggest thing is the moments for the journey along the way I'm going to remember. And they, they've, they've stayed with me after watching the movie. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think it had me longing to not only go back and watch this movie again, but to watch more Hayao Miyazaki, to watch more studio Ghibli, to uh, watch more, films from japan in general to see more stories from japan um on the ride home we were talking about language we're talking about the japanese language and and some of the words that we recognized as we watched the movie and i think anytime you know something that you would go to the movie theaters for uh can can get you to that place of wanting to just learn more in general about a a culture uh i think that's incredible i think it's absolutely fantastic and to be wrapped up in this story that is just so um just like just i get beautiful uh is Mm -hmm. maybe the best word i could put for it um i again just the visuals will stay with me the moments will stay with me there's some really freaky stuff that's going to stay with me as well (laughs) um but i think the 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 views on life and death and rebirth um i'm i'm excited to see that expanded and to learn more about what the movie is trying to say about that so uh i'm just we continue to be blown away with just how incredible 2023 has been uh it, for for animation this year i think again it's just from the animated series we've gotten to the animated movies we're definitely absolutely going to see uh oscar noms for this film i I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm wrong, uh, then the Oscars is wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one of the best of the year. I'm going to give The Boy and the Heron uh, a very solid 4.5 out of 5 birds. Uh, I was kind of sitting at a 4, but honestly, talking about the sound and the visuals alone uh, brought me up. So I'm, I'm yeah. absolutely so impressed. Masterwork in both like matching the visual to a score and soundtrack. like. Yeah, if you need it, if you want a textbook definition of how to do it, watch this film. Watch this film. Watch this film. And he, you know, he's gone back and forth on if this is his last film or not his last film. We kind of were talking about how like it should be again, just because of how close it is to, you know, what we've read about, what I've read about you, you know, what you've kind of described to me about his life and and how it just sort of emphasizes so much of that. Um, but at the same time, like if he wants to make another movie, I'm not going to stop him. Like, let's, let's go. I won't say no. (laughs) I'm not going to. (laughs) Yeah. But that is it for this spoiler free review of the boy and the Heron. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie or any of the shows or movies we cover, uh, well, I'm going to let Darcy be your feathery guide so he can tell you how you can reach us. (laughs) 
<laughs> feathery guy. Oh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's too much like getting lost in your grand uncle's great ta- weird tower on the on your mom's property, <laughs> you can uh, reach out to us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric or on Twitter or X. Sorry, I haven't said it. I haven't done this since the name change. Jeez. Jeez. Doesn't matter. Uh, or they can reach us over there at geekcentricyt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if X, maybe X will go away. Maybe it should go I away. I hope it does. Yeah, it we'll, should. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I also want to invite you to join our Discord using the link in our description uh, so we can talk about this movie and, and all the movies and shows we cover. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the recent releases uh, with our spoiler-free reviews for Disney's Wish, uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, Next Goal Wins, The Hunger Games, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, The Marvels, and the Netflix series Blue Eye Samurai. So pretty much a lot of the stuff that's in theaters right now or streaming right now. We also have some great interviews out now, like our most recent interviews with the folks behind Disney's Wish, uh, director Fawn Virasenthorn and executive producer Peter Del Vecco. Justin had a chance to sit down with them and talk about uh, their collaboration and, and sort of the full circle uh, sort of story of of Fawn Virasenthorn um, getting to direct a movie after growing up with these movies. Um, and then I had the chance to sit down and chat with the incredible Alan Tudyk, uh, the voice behind Valentino, uh, the baby goat, as well as so many voices from the past decade of Disney films. Um, we discussed how he found the voice of Valentino, his favorite Disney film of all time. And I got, I got to share my obsession with Disney and Ravensburger's Lorcana trading card game <laughs> with him. Uh, I gave him some cards that feature some familiar faces on them and, uh, and his reactions uh, did not disappoint. So be sure to check out those interviews either here on uh, your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric and also on our Instagram at we are geekcentric. And of course, our TikTok, uh, you can see some some clips that were really fun that we made uh, of that interview. Uh, and I know we're a little bit late to the game here, but uh, if you are a Marvel fan like we are, we actually do have our spoiler filled discussion for the Marvels uh, out now where we were joined by friend of the show, uh, Alyssa Balistrieri, and uh, and we discussed what we loved, what could have been better, uh, as well as those two unbelievable end credit scenes and what we think they might mean for the MCU going forward. So be sure to check that one out as well. Uh, Darcy, listen, this was delightful. This was it wasn't as delightful as a Studio Ghibli movie, but I mean, how can you? You can't match. It that. was almost. It was close. Yeah. Pretty darn close. Can you start here? Flap your start flapping your wings and fly around the room. And okay, there we go. Perfect. Now let it's. Me, a... Let me just swallow my head with the beak. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Uh, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this bird-filled review. And as we say, love ya. Later's.